Hey there, this is food writer Jamie Lewis, welcoming you to another episode of The Consumed Podcast, where I hold candid and casual conversations with people across California's central coast, the ones who put food on our plates and drinks in our glass. I'm so glad you're here. Before we get to this episode's guest, I want to share a word from Consumed Sponsors. Do you want to be more intentional about the meat you eat and feed your family? Have you even considered giving up eating meat entirely because you can no longer justify supporting the inhumane and industrialized system that brings meat to your dinner table? If you're looking for a simple way to guarantee you always have access to healthy, sustainably farmed meat and wild seafood, the Larder Meat Co. is here to help. Since 2016, Larder Meat Co. has been delivering farm-raised beef, pork, chicken, lamb, and wild seafood sourced from right here in the Golden State to customers who demand the highest quality proteins as well as intentional sourcing standards and transparency. A convenient club box from Larder Meat Co. makes it easy to automate the most important part of your monthly food budget. You can build a custom box or choose from one of the many curated bundles that LMC offers. As a Larder Meat Co. customer, you are supporting the ever-dwindling ranching industry that has fed us for generations, and you're building a sustainable future for your family, our ranchers, and the planet. Use code CONSUMED at checkout to save $25 on your first subscription and check healthy farm-raised meat and wild seafood off your grocery list for good. That's LarderMeatCo.com. Promo code CONSUMED for $25 off your first subscription. Consumed is sponsored by Mid-State Containers Cargo Storage Containers and Refrigerated Shipping Containers for sale and rent in California. You may not understand how Mid-State Containers could change your life, but the truth is many, many guests on the Consumed podcast use Mid-State for their projects. Containers can serve as wine storage units for case goods, for private collections, and even tasting rooms. They can be refrigerated storage containers for breweries, kegs, and fruit during harvest for wineries. Mid-State Containers outfits coolers and freezers for ranchers, farmers market growers, orchards, and butchers. Containers can make great pop-up coffee bars and berry containers for root cellars. My guest from Season 10, Krista Flieger, from Lonely Palm Ranch, uses her Mid-State Container for an office on her property. Other ideas include schoolrooms, music and photography studios, and there are other things that can be grown, stored, and processed in a mid-state container, so use your imagination and get on their website to request a quote, midstatecontainers.com. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. Okay, on to the episode. Anyone who's had backyard chickens in San Luis Obispo has probably heard of Barbara Bullock. For me, I knew her only as Barbara the Chicken Whisperer because she helped me with my backyard flock when we had chickens at our old house years ago. Barbara knows just about everything there is to know about chickens, from what they like to eat, 
what's toxic for them, setback and noise rules for having a coop, dominant predators, and what the noises they make mean. She currently has 25 birds of her own in her backyard, so she's also an encyclopedia of ideas for cooking with eggs. Listen to Barbara talk about her childhood on a ranch, her gorgeous garden sponsored by Chicken Poop, and how she instills a love of chickens in young people through 4-H. Here's Barbara Bullock, the Chicken Whisperer. When I asked you to come on the podcast, I said, hey, Barbara, I have you in my phone from years ago, several years ago, and your contact is written as Barbara the Chicken Whisperer in my phone. I didn't know your last name, but um, you are kind of famous around here with people who have tried to have um, backyard chickens. And so the reason I had your contact is I, my, my sweet little girl, um, what are the yellow ones that are so friendly? Orpingtons. Was that what it was? Yeah, Buff Orpingtons. Yes, Buff Orpington. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So we had three. We had a little brown guy and a black mottled one. And then, yes, a Buff Orpington. She was mine. Like, she was my baby. And um, they're so friendly. They're so affectionate. She would come when I called her. And anyway, uh, she got really, I guess she was hemorrhaging. And I contacted you about what to do. And you suggested some kind of like, I, I don't know if it was a, um antibacterial thing. or I don't know what it was, some kind of medicine. You left it on your front stoop. But I called the, I've called Farm Supply where I got the Miss Chicks. And I said, help. And they said, no, call Barbara. They didn't give me your last name. They just gave me your number. And I called, and you've been so available to so many people when they're in a panic. So I want to know, how how did becoming a chicken whisperer begin for you? I started as a child. Uh, we grew up on a large ranch here in San Luis Obispo. Hmm. And there was eight siblings, and we all had responsibilities on the ranch. And mine seemed to be chickens, poultry, mm. from a very, very early age. And I learned uh, to care for them, to feed water, and watch for diseases and problems. Mm. Uh, sometimes there would be two, three hundred chickens running on the ranch. Oh and uh, of course, coyotes and predators would bring that number down. And then, of course, there would be uh, food for the family, mm. uh, eggs and meat. And so we we would have a lot of roosters certain times a year uh, we would have in our freezer and all. Mm -hmm. uh, just loved the chickens. I still to this day enjoy very much um, helping people with their small flocks. Mm -hmm. uh, I am not a veterinarian and I let that be known, yeah. uh, but I am very um, uh, knowledgeable in a lot of ways mm -hmm. of basic care of birds and, and some of the diseases and problems they acquire. Many of them are um, simple solutions uh, and others can be more complicated. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to um, weigh what's best for that bird. Mm -hmm. um, I do enjoy helping a lot of people and Farm Supply, our local feed store, uh, has always uh, kept my number just to keep people uh, informed and knowledgeable about how to take care of these birds yeah. and when they can't help you i i'm available yeah they i mean <laughs> they were really quick to be like you know what we don't know yeah 
call Barbara. So you must be getting calls all the time. I do get a number of calls, and I don't mind doing that. That's kind of, I'm retired now, uh, so it, it kind of um, <laughs> is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do love um, seeing flocks and, and uh, helping people out. I do have to be careful with um, biosecurity and all, and sure. uh, small flocks seem to be healthier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that it's enjoyable. Yes, right. And by biosecurity, you mean like not giving anything to your own, your own chickens. Correct. Okay. And, or being around other people's birds. Yeah. Uh, you you have to have your um, one pair of shoes. Uh, oh. I keep things very very clean at my house. I don't mind using bleach uh, to wash bowls and dishes and mm-hmm. uh, rinse out things. Um, it's one way of preventing problems is keeping things clean, keeping their clean pins cleaned, uh, very clean water each day, mm-hmm. um, and uh, feed, feed. And, and when any time you introduce a bird into your flock, uh, it, of course it can upset the other birds. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be careful. You have to make sure you isolate that um, new bird. Uh, at least 30 days from your other birds. Oh, that's a um, long time. Huge dog crates really help oh. for isolating birds. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I keep keep the shavings clean in their nesting mm-hmm. boxes. I watch for bugs. Um, some of your common problems that they can acquire, uh, and, and these are simple solutions to take care of, are lice. Uh, and they do affect the birds. Um, they don't suck blood from the bird or anything, but they're an irritant, mm-hmm. and they lay their eggs on the birds, and the birds tend to eat less and lay less mm-hmm. when they're, they're infested. Uh, mites you'll see more at night. Those are blood-sucking bugs, uh, and they will um, affect your birds. Um, those are probably your worst things for birds mm-hmm. uh, because... They irritate the birds. Uh, whenever you have um, raccoons or yes. possums or anything like that coming around your pens, those will be irritants to the flock. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll bother them and disturb them at night when they're sleeping and stuff. Yeah. Um, we have but, our neighbors across the way here, have they have a flock. It's actually pretty sizable for their lot. And uh, just two nights ago, something was bugging them in the middle of the night a lot of panicked clucking and uh i think it was raccoons we have a lot of raccoons i mean you could see back here it's they're in the trees they're in the creek um do raccoons i i am very you can tell already i know nothing about animals in general but do raccoons kill you have to have a real secure coop for your um for predators and raccoons are one of the worst. They can get through a small crack and they can rip the wire. Uh, I use a hard wire on all my cages mm-hmm. uh, because I am by the the creek yes, as well, yeah. and I do have a lot of raccoons, mm-hmm. uh, and so a very very secure coop is needed because they will rip through poultry wire. Mm. Um, they're one of your biggest nighttime predators. Uh, they don't come there for the eggs. They come there for the chicken. And chickens have different um, uh, alarm sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and they ha- voice things differently. If they're content and all, they'll have a small cluck or a small um, 
noise, like a, a little, little purr, kind yeah, of, yeah, kind of, you know, yes, you know if yes. they're content and and happy, and uh, but if they're alarmed, it's like everything goes off yes. and they squawk and. Um, uh, they will chirp like a chick. And there's so many noises they'll make, and but when there's something alarming them, they'll let you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when they lay their eggs, they... yes, they make a big stink <laughs> when they. Oh my gosh, they, so loud! Yeah, they want everybody to know, <laughs> uh, and it's a wonderful sound. Yes, it um, is a wonderful sound. I totally yeah. agree. Uh, but raccoons are your worst. Possums can be an irritant, but they more or less go for the eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're saying that those are the worst in terms of a. Well, so so before we started rolling, I was telling you the story of here. I'll just tell the story of my chickens. So. I wanted them. I wanted them. Wanted it was my birthday present, probably five or six years ago, and I got three, and uh, they. We got a little coop. I think we bought it online. I we thought about building it, and it was like no, just have it delivered. And we assembled it, put it in the side yard, and our old house was also on a creek, and so. Um, set them all up as far from the creek as we could, put chicken wire underneath the coop so that nothing could get in from the bottom, and uh, we would let them roam around the backyard during the day and, uh, you know, poop everywhere, which was a bummer, but it was so nice to see them out and about and kind of to follow them around. Well, there was this Akita dog in the neighborhood that a young student owned and did not have control over. And the Akita would jump, you know, five-foot fences to get over. And once it, uh, there was a night where we had closed the chickens in, and in the middle of the night you heard that kind of panicked alarm sound from them. And in the morning I saw there were scratch marks all over the front door of the coop. Uh, Chickens were fine, but then two other occasions where that happened, and I could tell that dog had a scent. It couldn't let go like it wouldn't rest until those chickens were dead and so Christmas Eve we're watching a movie and it was probably four o'clock and the light was dimming and I hadn't brought them in yet but I felt like well you know it's not the end of the day yet and I heard a disturbance and I went out afterward and they were laying all over the yard and feathers everywhere and it just absolutely broke my heart found out later that that Akita was seen in the neighborhood with with blood in, on its mouth on its fur and I don't think I've cried that hard since because, especially that little yellow one, I took such good care of her. You had instructed me to, because she was hemorrhaging and she was in a lot of pain when she would try to lay, I, you told me, you know, you got to get her bottom wet, her, her vent, I learned this word, you got to get it wet, you have to really get it clean. And I was in the bathtub with her, with not my body in the bathtub, but I, she was in there. And I had rubber gloves on, and I cleaned her for like two hours. And then it was only a matter of weeks after that that she was killed. So is that? am I right in thinking that once a dog gets the idea of where some chickens are and that it could potentially kill them, that it will? Yeah, and dogs are your number one killer. And your neighborhood dogs, they know where the coop is, it seems like, mm-hmm. uh, during the day, evening. Um, that's why, you know, it's nice to 
keep an eye on your flock when mm-hmm. they're out, especially in town, because there's some people that let their dogs out. Yeah. Uh, coyotes are a predator out there in the country, and even now you're finding them in rural areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but the dog, you know, they can be trained. It takes a lot of discipline. And I have trained dogs in the past to leave the chickens alone. Mm-hmm. But you still monitor them. Even your own dog, you still have to monitor uh, their behavior toward your flock. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter the size of the dog. It can be a chihuahua uh, mm-hmm. that will attack chickens and kill. Uh, it. It just takes uh, monitoring them very closely. Mm-hmm. Uh, chickens during the day out um, wandering in the yard is beautiful. Um, they can be loose in the garden. You have to watch hawks. Um, mm-hmm. uh, having bushes and brush in a backyard or something they can get under really helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want a perfect yard, uh, it's not always available with chickens. Yeah. You know, they, you can get a nice yard, but you will have to monitor where they go. Yeah. Uh, they're looking for bugs and they're foragers and they love to forage and they'll go into your neighbor's yard if mm-hmm. it's not a big enough yard for them that you have. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's fun. Uh, they're beautiful. They're relaxing to watch. I always call it yard art. Mm-hmm. And uh, with your neighbor's yards, you got to make sure that they're not spraying for weeds and mm-hmm. stuff because that can become very toxic. Uh, to birds, especially Roundup or weed killer. Um, There are also poisonous plants. Um, So not only are dogs uh, uh, something you've got to watch, but your plants and your your neighbor's plants, if they go into their yards. Um, But chickens like if they've got a good yard, a good environment, they'll stick around right where where they know it's good. Yeah. Well, do you see people maybe taking on oh that's funny a hawk just went by (laughs) (laughs) he's looking even here you know this is very I mean you see the lots are squished together but even here they they're circling for sure do you um, see people perhaps wanting to take on the romance of having backyard chickens who perhaps aren't suited to do that or their space isn't right for it yard size um Chickens can live in a small environment. Mm -hmm. As long as your neighbors are good with it and you go by city codes, um, I've seen some small yards with a little flock of chickens. Mm -hmm. Some people start out a little too big. Mm -hmm. You know, I always suggest three birds. Yeah. And um, because they're social and they've got to be with something or somebody else, you know, they've got to have that, that, they can't be alone Mm -hmm. and um, if they are alone make sure you give it a a lot of attention Um, but I see people getting small flocks for their children it kind of starts out you know as a family thing part of the yard part of the garden Uh, it teaches kids so much to be gentle to take care of a pet Uh, it's something other than a fish Mm -hmm. and you know, it just, it's, it, uh, chickens have personalities. They sure do. They are wonderful and they recognize people and things. Yes. And, uh, if a strange dog comes into your, your yard, they alert you and yeah. they know it and they'll holler. And, uh, 
for instance, my dog, they know, they're used to him. Mm -hmm. If a neighbor brings their dog back there uh, near my coops, they just go off and they mm -hmm. will not stop until that dog is gone. Um, what kind of dog do you have? I have a Border Collie Cross. Okay. Um, he uh, is a herding dog, mm -hmm. and of course he herds the chickens when I let him out in a small area. Mm -hmm. um, he's very good with them. Um, I have in the past had uh, lab cross dogs, mm -hmm. and uh, I've they've been rescues, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, I've, I've taken a chance. Yeah. <laughs> I had one kill a bird and I worked with her for hours and she became one of the best dogs mm -hmm. for guarding that flock. And if children would come over and get near the cages, she would get in between wow. the cage and the birds and lift her lips. And so I always had to be very careful yeah. with kids coming over because I didn't know if she would bite, but right. she was protecting that flock. She became so um, secure with that flock and, and monitored them mm -hmm. all the time. And birds fly over. It's the same with this dog I have now. Buzzards fly over. Mm -hmm. He thinks they're hawks. He runs in the yard and he'll bark and look up at them and, and keep them out. Border uh, collies are incredible. They are. And he, even though they're locked up near the coops, he doesn't want anything near those coops. Uh, when you say that you worked with a dog for hours, what does that mean? Every how, day. How, what do you do? Yeah. Well, I had my I had a couple of chickens out, uh, and I would watch her very closely. And when she'd turn to go toward the chickens, mm. I would correct her mm -hmm. and bring her back to me. Mm -hmm. And I would never let her. I mean, it went on for quite a few weeks. Never yeah. let her alone with those birds until I was really secure with her knowing mm -hmm. she would not bother them. And then I always monitor her when I was out in the yard, but I'd let them out and she'd herd them around the yard carefully as they um, foraged mm -hmm. for bugs and all. And she'd watch them and, and not touch them. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. So. You're, so I've been to the front of your house because you had me come pick up some um, antibiotics and you left them on the front porch, but I never saw the back. I never saw your flock. Um, so you say that you have a pretty big backyard, but I know you have a city lot, right? Pretty standard sized city lot. Yes. Uh, it's one of the largest lots in the neighborhood because okay. it backs up towards the creek. Does it um, kind of fan out? It fans okay. out big. And um, I'm a hundred feet from any other structure. Mm -hmm. um, myself, my home as well as any neighbors uh, so I'm allowed 25 birds okay. um, of course during hatching season that kind of increases uh, I show birds mm -hmm. and I breed uh, uh, specialty breeds a uh, Sicilian buttercup oh. uh, which is the only bird that is a crown double cone and it's a crown of the fancy what does that mean it's Tell, a, like describe that for me. it's a cone on the top of their head, uh -huh. that's a, a split cone. Going and it's facing up like a triangle, up, upside down triangle. Yeah, okay. it's beautiful. It's a cup cone. And uh, these birds are for show. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other one I raise is Sumatra, black Sumatra bantams. Mm -hmm. And they have a long, fancy tail. And they're black, 
with a green sheen. They're mm. absolutely gorgeous. Uh, in the sunlight, they just flicker. Oh. And uh, so I raise a couple specialty ones. And then I um, also have a couple layers because you've got to have a little bit of brown egg in so your flock. Showers, <laughs> the show chickens, then they don't lay? They lay, but, you know, they're not, you know, they're so inbred and, you oh, know, yeah. years of trying to get that perfect showbird. Mm -hmm. uh, they lay, but they're not a consistent layer like your mm -hmm. backyard flock, mm -hmm. uh, your your Orpingtons, your barred rocks, uh, your, your flocks for your families are your best uh, breeds to get, your, your feed store birds. Mm -hmm. um, they are the better ones for laying. They're more reliable. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but this, these other fancy breeds are great for show, and they look beautiful in the show, but I don't rely on them for being consistent egg layers. Okay, okay. But you do it for the love of it. Yes, Have I do. these beautiful birds in your backyard. Yeah. Oh, I, I love watching them, and, and I love watching them uh, forage and stuff. So and you let them roam around? I do, only in... <laughs> the fall when I have mm. no when I'm not raising my vegetables and not raising mm. my flowers and stuff because they will tear up a yard mm. and you can monitor kind of where they go um, but it takes a lot of supervision mm -hmm. and uh, um, but they are good for bugs and totally. earwigs totally great for earwigs yeah. um, they're uh, great for um, composting yeah. their their coop uh waste um oh you can get beautiful flowers and beautiful vegetables yeah. and, so and, when you showed up this morning so i knew that you were involved with the dahlia society mm -hmm. um and dahlias are just like i mean they're like jewels they're just so incredible but the one that you handed me in a vase which was very generous is like what does it look like it looks like a like a giant uh, it, it almost looks otherworldly. Almost looks like a planet or something celestial. And uh, you said right away, chicken poop. <laughs> this is how this is how these things grow. Mm -hmm. So even in your yard, would you say that you're having a good amount of like regenerative agriculture in your yard? It's cycling through. So the chickens poop. They pick the bugs, and then they poop, and then the flowers grow, and then we compost. And is that happening? That's happening. Um, I um, clean the coops out and all. And what I do is I get alfalfa mm -hmm. shavings. Um, I sweep up at a local feed store all the droppings of alfalfa, and I put that in their coop, uh, and along with the shavings and all, and then their grain waste, and that all mixes in, and um, and their and their you their chicken waste and all, mm -hmm. and. Um, I clean that all out and then I put it in the garden mm -hmm. and I rotor tiller that up mm -hmm. and I also uh, put worm castings in my um, compost piles. Do you and buy all. those or do you do it yourself? I do it myself. I have yeah. two uh, t bins, tubs of um, uh, worms mm -hmm. and they're prolific. Uh, if they get a lot of scraps themselves and waste from the garden, uh, a lot of zucchini, yeah. uh, a lot of banana peels and uh, green waste goes into those worm casting uh, tubs. And um, that goes into the garden as well. 
and gets rotor tillered in. Uh, I do a cover crop in the uh, winter and um, peas and oats or something like that. It's a combination of oats and peas yeah. and it's a whole seed mixture that um, grows and then with the waste from the chicken pens and the uh, cover crop and all that all gets worked into the soil and then when the uh, cover crop gets about a foot and a half to two feet tall that gets mowed down mm -hmm. and then covered with tarps and then um, in in the spring when it's time in March time to work the soil that gets all worked in mm -hmm. and it makes beautiful beautiful uh, vegetables and flowers yeah. and and um, just prolific crop yeah and it's it, it's just not the same as buying the stuff it, it's no. it's never as good is it oh my gosh it's great and uh, I entered some things at the fair this year Yay. and uh, of course first place on a zucchini largest zucchini oh my gosh how big was it <laughs> it was a 10 pound zucchini oh, and Lord. we had um, uh, took care of that and I, that was one of my goals was to enter a vegetable and I entered one vegetable uh, but I did enter a lot of flowers yeah. uh, a lot of first place and I did win oh. best of show on the uh, third class of flowers Barbara, um, that's awesome. yeah I, I and I had a second place for the largest dahlia and oh, uh, how so, big was that well it was pretty You're good kidding. size okay Barbara's I mean, holding her hands like plate. a foot apart yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah they call them dinner plate but they're it's yes. an AA flower yeah. um, but it was just you know I know being able to have those chickens and being able to do all that yard work and all is just so rewarding. Yes. And it kind of brought that childhood back mm -hmm. of, of taking care of the chickens, taking care of the, the land. And uh, there's not a lot of water usage when you are uh, on drip and also doing a lot of composting. Yeah. And all those vegetables and, and flowers and all, all have uh, uh, straw and um, alfalfa topping all okay. around to keep the moisture in yeah um, but it's just you know it's wonderful to be able to share flowers it's wonderful yeah. to be able to share eggs yes uh, totally and it's it uh, the neighborhood kids you know they they love it too yeah. um, but well, it's uh, magical yeah. it's almost it's like alchemy you turn dirt and space into something so much more fruitful this zucchini you're telling me about the time some people buy a 10 pound turkey for thanksgiving like, what did you yeah. do with this zucchini that uh, that zucchini stayed at the fair for uh oh, they you know because they kept it because i didn't really want it back i mean it's too big <laughs> to do anything with other than to feed the chickens i right. do feed ones that get away from me mm -hmm. uh zucchini plants sometimes just under hidden under that leaf you'll find a huge one yeah uh, the chickens eat it it's wonderful for them to um, eat scraps from the garden mm -hmm. and uh, but I did trade my huge zucchini for a big cabbage I found at the fair because oh. all that food that's wasted from the fair goes to a hog farmer and oh. so I took the cabbage and gave it to my chickens yeah uh, because that was something they love yeah. uh, don't feed lettuce other than like a head lettuce yeah. is not good for them why not? Uh, they don't digest it well. Huh. And, uh, but a cabbage, wonderful. Loose leaf lettuce, you can feed to them. Uh, Why loose leaf versus, so are you talking about like 
what like spinach, arugula, spinach. that kind of thing, but not something on a head not like, like a, a head green lettuce. leaf or not romaine. like a head lettuce. Romaine's okay for them. Okay. Uh, head lettuce is they just don't digest it very That's well. So interesting. Uh, yeah, but cabbages are wonderful for them. Uh, uh, broccoli, any of those Cruciferous greens. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, and pumpkins once a year when everybody starts throwing those pumpkins away, mm-hmm. I gather those and they'll last a number of months. Uh, mm-hmm. And they love pumpkin just chop it up Mm -hmm. and it's really really good for them and your yolks become very yellow Mm. Uh, (laughs) certain foods can really cause a good yolk in the egg Mm -hmm. Uh, marigolds um, you know the the flour you know um, and a lot of times you'll you'll well if you read the label of a feed sack you'll see marigold in that yeah and uh, and that gives you the yellow of that egg yolk oh my Uh, gosh that's so so fascinating so with what you can feed scrap wise if i remember correctly you cannot give them there are certain things you cannot give um is avocado pits one of those things like it doesn't make any sense to give it to them anyway Uh, right no avocado is toxic to them there's a lot of plants uh that are very toxic to them yeah um but avocados um Oh gosh, there's so many things. Moldy, mildewy food never yeah. feed to your birds. Yeah. Uh, apples are wonderful for them. Apricots uh, are good, mm. uh, but watch their little nostrils. They get plugged sometimes from, from the ripe fruit. fruit. Yeah. yeah. And uh, But uh, avocados are just so toxic to them. Yeah. I've, I've known somebody that lost their whole flock when they fed them some avocados and and moldy or rotten food is not good for them Mm. so try to avoid that yeah Um, but uh uh, geraniums they love geraniums Mm. if you turn them loose in your yard they'll eat those Uh, (laughs) they'll go through those fast yeah and they're so maybe protect your geraniums if you really love those if you (laughs) You love love them (laughs) Uh, honeysuckle they love the flowers of the honeysuckle Uh, but those won't hurt them well, let's talk about how you use eggs. I mean, you've, gosh, you've been doing this your whole life. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite ways to use? Well, let's ask this. How many eggs are you producing? How many, you know, during laying season, what are you getting? I'm getting about 12 eggs a day. A day. Holy yeah, Toledo. some are small, though, um, because they're bantam. And oh. when I get a bantam egg that counts two of those count for one large egg Hmm. and so i'll put those in a recipe and what i do is like right now this time of year zucchini bread yes three eggs per per batch of you freeze them up no i cook i cook (laughs) right there fresh i'll get the eggs and then um uh i'll make the zucchini bread and it's six bantam eggs and then I take those shells and I bake those and those go crushed up into the worm bins um, and uh, uh, or into the chicken pin in, mm-hmm. for their oyster shells and mm-hmm. grit you know um, calcium mm-hmm. um, but I make a lot of a quiche um, yeah. the zucchini bread I mean that I tell people make that yeah <laughs> uh, because you're getting it so much from the garden every day um but you can only make and eat so much are you making it every day no yeah no that's a but lot. i freeze a lot of zucchini that's bread. what i meant yeah because yeah. i would yeah. do that i would just freeze loaf yeah. after loaf it, after loaf oh and i i put them in small loaf pans yep so i can share with mm-hmm. people um 
there's wonderful recipes for zucchini bread. Yeah. Uh, you can also grade your uh, zucchinis mm-hmm. and do a stir fry of zucchini mm. and um, eggs for mm. breakfast. Yeah. Uh, z- uh, zucchini patties. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of zucchini every day. Well, and it's one of those, we just had it recently. I put together like a, almost like a chopped caprese salad mm-hmm. with everything basically not diced but chopped to the same size so you've got fresh mozzarella good mm-hmm. tomatoes um you have basil in there um and i have been throwing zucchini in because we're getting a lot of it from people did you know there's a national le- um leave zucchini on your friend's doorstep day oh that's like i need to know that one (laughs) (laughs) i remember what i think it's in september um but chopping everything and zucchini is such a it's such a blank canvas in so many ways um you could do that with eggplant you could i mean there's so many ways you could tuck it into things but it was delicious and we i kind of tossed it with a little just a little vinaigrette and my kids gobbled it up and it's so good to see that zucchini which is full of nutrients Mm -hmm. and so much fiber filling their bellies and mine um but also kind of like hiding in the food Mm -hmm. um so yeah i i've started to put that in more things because it really it can it can really just mesh into whatever flavors you're putting it with oh yeah uh with six plants you know i have more than enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in when I make spaghetti, it goes in the goes spaghetti. In. When I anything, stir fry vegetables, mm-hmm. uh, it it goes yeah. into pretty much everything this time of year. Yeah. But uh, the eggs, I seem to use them just for different things. You can bread um, fish, and you use an egg. Uh, mm-hmm. um, chicken, you know, and you you bread a chicken mm-hmm. uh, breast and um, eggs wonderful source uh i had company uh, uh a 17 year old and you know those 17 year olds are hungry and of course <laughs> she i'd say how many eggs and she'd say two and of course it was three eggs scrambled oh, so it was a way of getting getting eggs used in yeah. in the two weeks she stayed with me yeah. and uh and cakes, wonderful cakes. Yep. And you know, it's not only poultry as far as chickens, mm-hmm. ducks. ducks. Duck eggs. People can have ducks in their backyard. Oh, yes, we have and a couple over here. Yeah, they're so quiet, and people yeah. forget about ducks. But is duck uh, poop, I heard that duck poop is different than chicken poop. Is it, it a is. pain? It's, it can be very messy. Yeah. They seem to be very messy, yeah. but people love, uh, the people that have ducks love them. Yes, and they're, they're so different than chickens. Mm. Um, but the eggs, uh, they have a little more sulfur, mm. but there's less cholesterol in them, and that's why some people like them better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to have plenty of water for them and, and good fresh water uh, because they don't digest their food very well oh. unless they have water. Mm. They they don't digest their food unless they have water to help get that down. Mm. Um, so you have to make sure you're you're always. Um, aware of their water source yeah. and uh, um, do you but have ducks now I don't have ducks now okay. but I did raise a bantam call duck mm. and they're one of the loudest ducks <laughs> you could have they <laughs> just seem to go off all the time and they seem to attract uh, the raccoons more oh they, you know I really had to have tight pins when I had the yeah. ducks uh, but they were call ducks and they were for show mm-hmm. um, 
very beautiful little little they're the littlest they're a bantam oh. duck oh. they're just darling just and love uh, ducks so much. yeah it's so cute kids love them because they're so small yeah. um such but, a bird person i really am i mean i'm looking at your shirt and your earrings oh. you have feathers i, I didn't even make the connection until just now <laughs> Bird people. Yeah. Are you interested in all kinds of birds? I love all birds, but I I know where my heart is, Aww. and it's the poultry. And I do love ducks and all, mm-hmm. but I do love seeing other people's flocks. Yeah. I really, and how they're set up and all. Yeah. Uh, but you have to be careful what you're bringing home and what you're yeah. taking to the other people's flocks and all. Yeah. Um, but. You know, it's, uh, again, important to keep things really clean. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is some things going around right now that um, are being, that's being spread by wild birds. Viruses? Uh, virus, it's virus, highly pathogenic avian bird influenza. Oh, and uh, it's, they found it in Northern California now, but it's, it's spread through wild birds. Mm-hmm. So keeping your flock safe and not letting a lot of these uh, wild birds around them is important. Yeah. Um, but three or four birds, you know, in a backyard, they seem to stay healthier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let me ask you, scrambled eggs. Mm-hmm. This is an ongoing, an ongoing debate in my home. Do you like them on the runnier side, on the softer side, or do you like them on the drier side? Drier side with salsa. No, Barbara, no! <laughs> with salsa. <laughs> I have no beef with the salsa. It's, I love my grandmother made me well she made a very runny egg she was a french major in college and i think she'd spent some time in france and they tend to like their eggs very soft and i don't know why but that became my preferred way and it just Mm -hmm. gags everybody out in my home it's so funny but that's my that people are very picky about how they like their eggs oh they are and especially restaurants Yes. You know, in the restaurant, I mean, I still have a hard time if I'm ordering an egg dish. Yeah. Oh, it's like, oh, the, I have the chickens at home. I don't I don't need to have this here. <laughs> you oh, know? you mean buying an egg, buying, buying a poached egg, buying, egg or whatever. Yeah, and knowing that those eggs at that restaurant, mm-hmm. they do the best they can. They get yeah. the freshest food they can. But mm-hmm. there's nothing like walking back to your own mm-hmm. coop. Mm-hmm. And getting your own egg. Yes. And uh, and not, you know, it's like anything you grow or anything, it's not always perfect. It might yeah. be a little misshapen, um, you know, or a little waste on it or something like that. Yeah. But you, you keep your nesting boxes clean and you don't mm-hmm. have those problems. And you watch your birds. So you, you check for bugs and stuff like that to make sure um that they're going to lay a good egg, mm-hmm. a good strong egg shell. So to so. do it right, it is a commitment. It's not just like a yeah. plug and play thing. Um, which I will yeah. be honest, I think that we thought maybe it would be more like that. Mm-hmm. And no, I mean to do it well, to do anything well, uh-huh. you know, you have to pay attention. You it takes time. It takes uh, a commitment. Yeah, it's like taking care of a cat or a dog or yeah. anything else. It's it's a part of. Uh, being committed to that animal yeah right and uh, and when you go away for for a vacation or out yep. of town or something like that not everybody is uh, attuned to what their needs are right and you have to be very careful whenever I leave town I make sure I have several different people coming in to yeah. check the other people to make sure they're really? watering and feeding and I always leave extra water containers yeah. and uh, do feed up a little more food. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's not something you want to do all the time, extra feed out at yeah, night, right. especially because then you'll attract uh, mice and, mm -hmm. and rodents and you don't want to do that. But um, it's important to have um, people that are knowledgeable to take care of them. Well, that's hard. Yeah. I mean, that's, it is. It, that would be tough to find. Do you get asked to do it a lot for other people? I do. I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do. And uh, <laughs> it depends on how far the drive is, yeah. you know, because yeah. uh, it's hard to commit to somebody else's flock. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, you have to also be aware, you know, birds, they're very subtle at telling you when they're not feeling well. Mm -hmm. And they'll drop a wing or they'll be off away from the other flock members. Drop a wing and, meaning like? Well, their their wings will be a little lower than they oh. normally have. Yeah. You know, they're not sitting upright and their eyes aren't bright. And, mm -hmm. and you'll see a little fading of the cone and all. But, but um, you know, there's certain things you have to watch for. And uh, um, if you watch your flock and every day and kind of go out and observe, mm -hmm. you can tell when one is starting to get a little ill. But you have to be attuned to it. It sounds like it just takes practice, right? It takes practice and knowing your birds. Yeah. It's it just, really... it's a little bit sad to practice and potentially lose an animal. You know, that's, <sighs> that's but I yeah. think that that's part of learning how to, you know, animal husbandry is you have to lose, you have to lose an animal to be better at taking care of them, which is oh, a yeah. hard reality. Oh yeah, and and that's why uh, it's important for kids to, I think, learn and grow up and become compassionate toward animals. I mean, yeah. it starts either with a little kitty or a puppy or something mm -hmm. like that, but chicken flocks, not everybody can handle a dog or a yeah. cat or something like that, but a little flock of chickens, mm -hmm. um, you know they can learn to love that animal and mm -hmm. care for it and and birds you know the longest living uh chicken was 21 years oh it was old enough to drink alcohol old enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> a long time years. so you have to plan on you know some of your yeah. flocks don't live very long your um um you know feed store birds and all mm -hmm. but some you know i've had them 14 15 years Holy and cow. and you have to be committed to knowing that maybe that bird has to, you know, you're going to be committed to that bird that long. Wow. Well, yeah. how how long? I know that for different species, there are, um, you know, there's like a typical number of years that they will continue to lay, and then at a certain point they stop laying. And how much longer will they live past that? What if we were just going to talk about like a little backyard flock, maybe like buff Orpingtons or something like that? Mm -hmm. How long will they lay? Uh, it depends on the bird, first of all, and the breed. And uh, they can lay five, six years, up to eight years, mm -hmm. but their production will be way down. Um, feed is very important mm -hmm. uh, in order to get a good laying uh, production. Um, I do kind of a 16% protein, mm -hmm. and then in the winter when they um, shut down a little more on their laying, I'll, I'll jump it to an 18, mm -hmm. but much higher than 20%, you're going to burn their kidneys out, Oof. and you're yeah. going to cause other health issues for them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, commercial places, they run lights to try to get as many eggs as they can, yeah. and uh, it burns the bird out. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, they get rid of those flocks, um, and there's rescues of those. They're called battery hens. When they, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but when they, when you say it burns them out, do you mean that, like, 
Well, I suppose like we women, there are only so many eggs in us. And so a bird only has so many. Um, And so when they burn them out, does that mean they just produce, 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 you know, without ceasing, but at a certain point, maybe much earlier than the bird would have if it weren't under lights, they finish production. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Finish production um, by what I mean. Is, that sounds like a machine. They, they stop laying. They, get them. they yeah. stop laying. There's no more. The day the chick hatches determines the number of eggs they'll produce in their lifetime. What does that mean? That's just like a woman. We're, we're born with a certain number of eggs in us, yeah. and when we're done, we're done. Yeah. Uh, so chickens are the same way, mm-hmm. but um, when, when the commercial um, laying places have their um, lights on 24 hours yeah. a day and all, uh, it, it does wear the bird out mm-hmm. and it stresses them. Um, you know, because they never get any rest in between. And it's a long process. It's a 24-hour process for a bird to lay an egg, 24 to to, um, uh, 26 hours. And and it, um, not every egg is perfect, um, but uh, if they're taken care of, if they're fed right, they will produce enough eggs that the family can use. Mm -hmm. And... um, you know, so it, it's that's like it's human good. scale. I don't know. Yeah. I just really, the more I pay attention to this, the more I see that when things are human scale, not not mass produced. And I know that we all we all live off of mass produced things. It is mm-hmm. in, it has increased our quality of life in so so many ways. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to this, you really see a difference. I like what you said about it. Your little flock will produce enough for your family and maybe some friends, you know, mm-hmm. sharing. But there's something really right about that, about it producing just just enough for you, not going overboard. Yes, exactly. And, and um, you know, it, it just is more enjoyable. You know where your food is coming from. Yeah. And a lot of kids don't know where their food is Definitely coming from. Not. They go to the grocery store and they mm-hmm. assume it's always going to be there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you just have a fresher mm-hmm. food. And, and some people feed strictly organic. I mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. I, I give a, a commercial grain um, that's good quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get a lot of vegetables and scraps from yeah. the yard. Yeah. And that's, that's important to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, they're just uh, a neat animal to have and And good for the environment right i mean oh yeah all around your whole backyard setup is so good for everybody you know um what's the weirdest egg you've ever seen i love this question (laughs) the weirdest egg i had um well i looked in the bottom of the coop and i saw a very very large egg and i thought (laughs) well that doesn't look normal and who had that so i took it in and it really was an egg and I opened it up, and there was a uh, like a the white inside the egg. Yes. And then there was another egg in that side, that large <sighs> egg. And so I opened that egg up, and it was a total of three eggs oh, no. in that huge. It had all. It was huge. It was a, uh, and it was all very formed. It was a triple. It was a triple, and, and the in the innermost one was a normal egg. Normal egg inside. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah, doesn't happen very often. I wonder if that was painful but, for the bird. Well, I think she squawked. 
<laughs> she had to have. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but uh, sometimes they get eggs that break inside them and stuff yeah. like that. And you have to be very careful. They can yeah. uh, get very sick and, and yeah. die from that. Um, but you have to also know how to handle that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that large egg, I don't know how she ever got that out. And I've never, never had that happen That is so before. funny. An eggshell color doesn't matter uh it can be a blue egg a brown egg a white egg Mm -hmm. um there's people raising uh poultry now that come up with every color of an egg on those uh, birds (laughs) and the quality of the egg is still the same the Mm -hmm. taste is the same nutrient wise it's still the same there was a a, i think there's this kind of ambient idea that brown eggs are healthier than white eggs because we're thinking brown bread is healthier than white bread (laughs) but no they're exactly the same the nutrients are the same and the calories are the same and eggs are very nutritious and very good for you like nothing is so perfect as an egg yeah and um you know people said oh there's a cholesterol issue with eggs and all and i think they've corrected all that before you know but for 80 some calories you can't beat it. 80 calories 80, for an yeah, 86, egg. Yeah, 86. So, so nutritious. And protein. And um, a ton of protein. Yeah. 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 Natural protein. Well, so. um, when you get a new egg, I like, I want to ask about freshness, how you can tell. So for those of us who don't have our own chickens, mm-hmm. um, when you buy an egg at the store at Farmer's Market or whatever, there's something about the shell where you can tell how old it is or like a general idea is it that if they're thinner shells or easier to crack that they're fresher uh no the the best way to tell is the yolk um thinner shelled eggs are usually a a calcium issue they they need a little more calcium birds um need oyster shells or the calcium because they it takes so much out of their body to produce those eggs Mm -hmm. and so that's why you want to have a bowl of um oyster shells for them mm. you know you can get them commercial and they'll peck yeah. at it and they'll eat it free range mm-hmm. they'll get it them the, when they need it um but uh it's the yolk and at the fair there was a perfect example mm-hmm. of judging of eggs there was quite a few entries of eggs this year and larry stallings uh, did the judging mm-hmm. and um it was the freshness of that albumum and that egg yolk and how that that uh, egg yolk stood up and just oh after go, you've cracked it after it's, you've it's, opened it it's uh, rounder if rounder it's really and tight yeah and really really tight and and the white is just solid I mean it just is really yeah. solid and uh, some of that um, the yolk I mean just having the orange orangeness of that yeah. yolk is is just uh, showed how fresh and yeah. and the nutrients just were so beautiful in it and uh, the egg white you know sometimes you'll get a little tint mm. of that being a little greenish or little mm-hmm. and that's usually a feed thing or it could be a little old uh, you don't want a cloudy egg or anything yes, like that right, right you don't you know but uh, a fresh egg is wonderful now that being said it's incredible how long an egg will stay fresh i mean it's incredible not fresh maybe but yeah edible i mean they can last so long weeks Uh, they've already been in transit uh from whatever uh place that you got them from um but in europe they don't refrigerate 
a lot of the places right? in Europe, they don't. They just leave them on the counter. Yeah. Um, I'm still one that refrigerates. I refrigerate everything. Bring it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other than peaches, strawberries, and tomatoes. It all goes in. And yeah. to, obviously, like bananas and potatoes and stuff. But yeah. They, yeah, I'm an I'm yeah. one that still believes in refrigeration because there could yeah. be a small crack in that egg and mm-hmm. you don't know about it. Um, but uh, clean eggs, you you want to make sure your eggs are clean. You don't. I don't ever wash them mm-hmm. until the moment I use them, and then I just wipe off if there's anything yeah. on them. Yeah. But uh, you know, you want to keep that that coating on that shell. That's going to protect the the egg. Um, and, and commercially, they oil them. They wash yes. them, and then they oil them. Yeah. Yeah, to Which seal them back up. explains why they look. Yeah, right. Yeah. So shiny. So. I cannot believe it. We've already been talking 51 minutes, and I feel like I have a thousand other questions for you. Uh, one thing I want to ask is uh, your birds in your backyard, do you process them and eat them? I have um, the meat birds mm-hmm. raised a few, uh, especially when we were going through 4-H with my sons. Yeah. Um, we would raise broilers, they're mm-hmm. called. Uh, they're a commercial uh, bird for that purpose. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a group of us that would uh, buy birds for the fair or for ourselves, and then we would process them. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a, uh, a group of six about a year ago, a little mm-hmm. less than a year ago. And um, you I raised specific broilers specifically for that purpose. Okay, got the it. broilers, they're, the way they're bred, they're um, a Cornish cross mm-hmm. and they're used just for that purpose. They will put on six to eight pounds in less wow. than four. To five weeks yeah. they they're there they eat and they drink and they sit and they just grow um and so um as i've gotten a older of course i it's gotten harder for me to process a bird yeah so my son and his friend did a beautiful job of it yeah and um uh, so you can raise birds for that. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a person in town, Alpha Johnson, that does that just for his oh. own backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, but he'll take yours and do it? No, no. I, you oh, know, he you, just does he it He does himself. his own. Got it. So okay. there are other people that do these things in, in, in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a lot of times cheaper just to go buy a buy bird a and eat it, buy yeah. the meat at the store. But... Um, you know kind of what you're raising when you're growing it in your backyard and um uh of course you don't get attached to them uh but they're so gentle and they don't Mm. they don't do anything (laughs) they're just strictly for meat and Um, they know it and i think they know it (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh well um it's so funny. I want to ask you about how you grew up and and all of that, but I don't think we have enough time. But tell me, tell me the name of the ranch you grew up on. It was out on Orchid Road, uh-huh. outside of Arroyo Grande, and well, actually, it was between San Luis Obispo and Arroyo Grande. Mm-hmm. And so we had a San Luis Obispo phone number and an Arroyo Grande address and Arroyo Grande schools we went to. Okay. And uh, so, of course, it was long distance to call. Um, Roy Grandy and our friends. So we did a lot of things in San Luis Obispo, very yeah. involved in 4-H. Yeah. Uh, when you grow up in a large family, you have to be independent and self-sufficient. Right. And uh, we didn't rely on any other sources as far as there wasn't welfare or mm-hmm. food 
banks or nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had a huge uh, garden and of course we um, uh, helped other farmers with yeah. uh, picking uh, beans and vegetables and stuff mm -hmm. seasonal. But my father did uh, dry land farming mm -hmm. and uh, it was a lot of acreage of uh, uh, garbanzo beans, piquito beans and wheat mm -hmm. and Hey, Pinky beans. Yeah, they were delicious. I <laughs> bet they were. Yeah. Every weekend we seemed to have beans. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of Cal Poly students would come out and ride their horses and stuff. Mm. And so it was um, uh, a very beautiful ranch. We knew every part of that ranch growing up. And uh, uh, of course, there was the sheep and mm -hmm. the cattle and. Um, uh, chickens and my family wasn't much for eating lamb mm, but we, we we didn't eat the lambs but we had them for 4-H and mm -hmm. FFA projects. And, I want to uh, love it. I so want to love lamb and I just I can't. It's it's very rare that I'm into it. Well when I'm invited any place and they say bring the mint jelly I know I'm, <laughs> I'm warned. There's a signal. <laughs> yeah right. There's a, uh, you know but I still you know it, it was so involved with 4-H and all that mm. I um um, when my kids wanted to be involved in 4-H, um, I uh, went ahead and became a leader mm -hmm. because there was nobody to help with that project. Mm -hmm. And it just, oh, exploded. And I um, had as many as 18 kids uh, one to learn about poultry. And, uh, Is that Edna so Valley 4-H? I was involved in Canyon Country and Edna Valley. Because I know Edna Valley is very, oh, very... It was Successful. It was huge, mm -hmm. and uh, I helped them and uh, uh, got uh, other people involved and leaders. Mm -hmm. And of course, when your kids move on, you start moving on. But yes. um, uh, there are some very dedicated people right close to you mm -hmm. involved in poultry, and um, uh, the fair. I I manage that and um, do all the planning, getting the judges. So it just keeps growing. That's um, a lot of work. It is. Yeah. I've been doing that for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, before COVID, we introduced turkeys up at the fair. Oh, cool. Yeah. And we had 36 entries this year and 35 made it. Uh -huh. And we had 19 broiler pins. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was kind of exciting. Uh, the champion pin, I believe, went for for a champion turkey went for 4,400. Oh my word. And uh, by the time this one youth was done selling her three different pins, one pin of broiler, her champion, a reserve turkey, uh, she was up to 11,300. Oh my gosh, what so, an incredible lesson to yeah, learn. Yeah, and they're very dedicated to their poultry yeah. and their turkeys and all. Oh yeah. And they do a very good job. It's all organic feed, so it's mm. not cheap. Um, but this, this, these projects, if kids get involved in them, can lead them to colleges, uh, life, you know, animal colleges, uh, the Cal Poly, yeah. um, uh, different ones, Oklahoma State. Different mm -hmm. kids have gone to these states to learn um, more about animal husbandry, becoming vets, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and they they've done they learn beautiful jobs of caring and managing for yes. these animals, yeah. and uh, but. 
it was exciting. My my son grew up with me traveling in the car with chickens crowing in the back. <laughs> and Indiana, we went to, and Aww. and uh, we went to oh, we went to a number of shows in Stockton and Modesto and Utah, Arizona, and it was a good time to be with family. And and there was one time where we went to Hollister, and I had some. Uh, teenagers in the back seat and all these birds loaded up in the car and and of course um car sickness with one of them driving on that with With a a whole load about 30 birds in the back and the smell and uh she got car sick and we're on that back road to hollister and but those are the fun memories yes, I remember. Of course, that's what you're laughing about now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, you just keep on going with the loud crowing and mm. and um, getting those kids to shows and uh, they loved it, you know, and they'll there'll be an open show uh, December third oh. in Paso Robles if everything goes well. Yeah. And um, uh, if something doesn't shut it down like a disease, but yes. but plan on seeing some very spectacular uh, breeds of birds. Uh, That's so there. cool. So, oh, so great. It sounds like a really good life too, you yeah, know. Yeah. It sounds like it it makes for a really satisfying life. Let mm-hmm. me ask you what um, I ask everybody, which is if it were your last day on earth and you were so happy that you'd lived that good life, what would you eat and what would you drink and who would be with you? I think uh, my husband, first of all, because mm-hmm. he's so supportive. Of, of the projects I do uh, and he's built me some fantastic coops mm-hmm. you know to keep those raccoons out yeah. um, my drink of choice oh I love a watermelon watermelon dark black tea uh, with what? a little sugar uh, what is that uh, well it's a, a new black tea that I have found at Trader Joe's and it's a watermelon mint black tea oh my gosh and i make this beautiful sun tea with a little sweetener love sun tea and oh my gosh i can drink that all day long oh my gosh i'm gonna get that yeah okay. and and i think my biggest thing is i love stir fried vegetables and mm-hmm. and i don't mind scrambling an egg in that zucchini uh, uh you know corn and tomato mixture and um I just I love it. I mean, it's just so fresh mm-hmm. and throwing salsa over the top. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, that's that's my biggest, biggest thing, I think. That uh, sounds but, wonderful. All fresh and probably picked that day from the garden. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I and I love to um, graze. I think oh, I'm you're like a grazer. I am like those chickens. You I forage. <laughs> I, I pick a green bean from the garden and I eat it, you know, raw. And and uh, uh, I just, the blackberries growing. And yes. I just pick those off. And I find other people coming over and they just pick. And I'll say, oh, eat this green bean uh, raw. Try it raw. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I love things fresh and the little strawberries hanging down. And um, it, everything's so good. And the yeah. smelling the sage when you pick. The sage, love and the sage stuff. Oh. Yeah. That's the smell yeah. of here. That's yeah. the home smell of home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Barbara Bullock, thank you so much for sharing so much. It's so educational and um, yeah, just I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. I hope uh, uh, the people can get a few birds in their backyard, mm -hmm. even if they're bantam ones, small, if they don't have a lot of room. Mm -hmm. They'll still give you an egg, and they'll still give you that satisfaction of being a part of the, the soil, the land. Yeah. Thank so. you for um, thank you. sharing the enthusiasm. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the Consumed Podcast. Consumed is produced and edited by me, Jamie Lewis. To learn more about my guests, to see their photos, to learn about live events, yes, live events, to join the Consumed mailing list, and more, visit letsgetconsumed.com. Consumed.